watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all, let all that you do be done with love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus and the first fruits of Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such. And to everyone who works and labors with us, I am glad about the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied. For they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla, greet you heartedly in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, a salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be a curse. Oh, come. Oh, Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Paul concludes with seven instructions that we are to live by. Seven instructions that we are all called to live by. And we, we're going to see these seven instructions from verses 13 through 24. The first one, the first instruction that, that we are called to live by, that they were called to live by, which are brothers in Christ way back when, the, 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 the Corinthians. And today, for us, we're called to live by these instructions. Number one, we're called to be watchful. You see that in, in verse 13, the very first word there. It says, watch, to be watchful. Paul wants us to be watchful. Now, now, we have to ask ourselves, what does watch mean? What does the word watch, what does that mean? Well, it means to be on high alert. To be on high alert. To watch means to be on high alert. It also means to be on guard. To be ready, to be on guard without falling asleep. Without falling asleep. We need to be on high alert. We need to be on guard now, what areas does Paul want the Corinthians to, to be alert or, or watchful or to be on guard for? Well, you can note down there's three areas. There's three areas. There's at least three areas that we're called to be on alert, uh, be watchful for, to be on guard. And the first area is against temptation. We're called to be alert, to be watchful, to be on guard in regards to the area of temptation, Temptation? Yes. Jesus spoke about that in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Jesus said, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh, it's weak. Know that temptation is no respecter as a person to the saint or to the sinner. And, and really, if you would ask, you, who should be really on guard With temptation. Should the newer believer or the older believer? I would say the older believer. Because the older believer that's been walking with the Lord for a while now, they could say, I've been walking with the Lord for a while now, and you know, I, I got this. I got this. Oh, King David said the same thing. And he he fell him he fell in sin. 
the book of 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So we can never be comfortable. Even if we've been walking with the Lord for a long period of time, we can never say, you know, I really don't need to have devotion today. God knows my heart anyways. He knows that, that I love him and I'm aware of his love for me. And to share the faith that would tell people about Jesus, I don't need to do that. I don't think so. Let the young bucks do that. I used to do that once upon a time. Yeah, they're all fire and they're full of energy and full of excitement. I just want to kick back now and just enjoy my golden gears and have a cappuccino. That's what I want to do. No, we got to be in guard. We got to be in guard. David, King David, he wasn't on guard. He was supposed to be on the battlefield. And if you not be on the battlefield, he's supposed to be there with the young folks and, and, and encourage them how to fight. But he had a siesta and he sinned. And so we have to be on guard. We need to be alert against temptation. Temptation hits us all. It hits us all. And we need to be alert, not only alert, but in prayer. And I believe as you're in prayer, the Lord causes you to see temptation. And you can call it out for what it is. And you can say, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is not going to happen. I love Jesus more than this sin. And so it's a matter of having a love for Christ over a sin. Second area that we are called to be on alert, to be watching, to be on guard, not falling asleep. And that's against Satan. Again, second, number two, we're called to be alert, be watchful against Satan. Against Satan, yes, Peter said that. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, Peter said, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, notice that. He's your enemy. He's not your friend. Don't think the enemy is your friend. The enemy is, is the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seek, looking, looking for someone to devour, resist him. And we resist him as we, we, we are planted in the Lord. We resist him. And so he, the enemy is just looking around. And I believe it's like a gun. He has one bullet, and he's just waiting for that opportune time to take you out. And so the, the enemy is out there and he wants to take you out. Why does he want to take you on and who is he going to take out? Well, he looks for those that are pursuing God's kingdom. He wants to take you out. Why? Because you're going against his kingdom. And, and he, he doesn't like those that are going against God's kingdom. Because those that are not, you know, he, 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 he has those already. He has those already. But those that are going against God's kingdom, now you're going against him. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't want you to witness. He doesn't want you to live for Jesus Christ. He wants you to compromise. He, he wants you to blend in. But we're not called to blend in. We're called to stand out and let our light so shine to, to glorify our Father in heaven by our behavior. And third, the third area that we're called to be alert to, to be watchful to stand in, is against false teachers. Against false teachers. Peter also spoke about that. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Peter said, but there were, uh, were also false prophets amongst the people, just as those there were, will be false teachers amongst you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So these false teachers have violated 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. They haven't studied to show themselves approved. A, a workman that's not ashamed of, of the handling the word of God, but they are handling the word of God incorrectly. And as a result of that, they're teaching heresy. 
They're, they're, they're not teaching about Jesus, that he's, he's, he's the second person of the Trinity. He, um, he's God, and, and they're not teaching about the things of the Lord, and therefore people are being brought into these uh, false teachers. So those are the three areas that Paul encourages the Corinthians as he says, I want you to be watchful, be ready, be on high alert, because there's temptation, the enemy's there, and there's false teachers out there. Now, the second instruction to live by, it, we also see this in verse 13. Notice this. Paul says, stand fast. Stand fast in the faith. You're just not to stand fast. You're, you're to stand fast in the, in the faith. You're just not standing fast, but there's a reason why you're standing fast. You're standing fast in the faith. And that means to, to stand fast in the faith means to hold firmly to the sound doctrine of the faith. You're to hold firmly to the sound doctrine of the faith. You need to know what you believe and why. It's really, really important. This is important because bad doctrine produces a bad and fruitless life. Bad doctrine produces a bad and fruitless life. On the other hand, healthy doctrine produces fruitful and stable lives. Healthy doctrine produces fruitful and stable lives. We do have doctrine that has been entrusted to our care. We do have the doctrine that's been entrusted to our care according to the book of Jude 3. Jude 3. Jude 3 says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. When I encounter... Um, a uh, person that um, fo follows Mormonism, and uh, and I and I share with them that I said I have a, a problem with um, the book that you're carrying, because it says another gospel, and according to Jude three, it says that the gospel has really been delivered to us, and I'm called to contend for that gospel, not to embrace another gospel. And Joseph Smith, as he received this revelation, by the way, that was all subjective, not verified at all. Where the scriptures went, some of us, and I, I would pray that you all are able to go to, to Israel with us when we go, you, you, you will go and you will see the verification of scriptures. You will see uh, where scriptures were, um, were uh, found, documented, and um, are true. And what the scriptures teach, you're, you could go to the verification of sites that teach the scriptures about Jesus. You will walk in the places that Jesus walked. The place that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, there's a place where Bible scholars believe that this is actually the location. You're going to go there. You will see with your very eyes the place where Jesus Christ, your Savior, rose from the grave. And you could take a picture right there, too, if you want. And you could take that and show with everyone that my Savior lives. I can face tomorrow. So if you could go with, to with us, the Israel, it, it's, it's life-changing. Pastor Chuck Smith says, if you go to Israel, it's, it's, it's equivalent to attending seminary for a year. And, um, and so you, you read about the, these scriptures, and then you go to the very places. David and Goliath, where they have that, fought, that, they, that, that, that battle they fought, you go to those grounds, the very grounds. And you could take one of those little rocks home, and uh, then you could think um, that they fought right there. Um, the War of Armageddon, uh, that's going to happen at the very end. You go to that very site. You're like, right there, this is where it's going to go down. Where Jesus Christ is going to come back and, and stand, you visit that site. 
So, um, so, so having sound doctrine and to verify it, we can. It's important to, to have sound doctrine. And sound doctrine, it's, it's referred to as fundamentals. And, and for us as believers, know that there's eight fundamentals of our faith or, or eight doctrines, if, if you, if you um, will. In the book of Philippians 3, 1, it says, it's not tedious for me to remind you of the, these things. And so what I want to do um, at this moment is put up those eight fundamentals. And it's not tedious for me to remind you of those. I know you, um, some of you have seen this before. I'm one that's huge on repeating doctrine on a regular basis. So you would know what you believe and why. It's so important. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, um, you believe th these are your eight doctrines. There's eight of them. There's not nine. There's not 10. There's not five. There's eight. And so we believe the, these eight fundamentals. Number one, we believe in the authority of scripture. The Bible has the final authority, not another gospel, but the word of God, the, the gospel has a final authority. Secondly, uh, the second fundamental or the second doctrine that we believe, we believe in mankind's fallen condition. We believe that there's sin, so we need a savior. We, we believe that, that Jesus is that savior. Number three, we believe that there's two natures of Christ, two natures of Christ, that, that Jesus Christ, he's fully God, right? Because he healed people, he set people free, but he's fully man. He slept, Jesus ate. Jesus was moved with compassion. He, he's fully man, and he identifies with us. Number four, um, the fourth um, gospel that we believe in, and every Christian needs to believe this, salvation is by God's grace through faith. It's not by works. It's not that you walk um, a bunch of people um, across the street, and therefore you get merit in heaven, and, and if your merits are, are better than your, your, your non-behavior, therefore you get to go to heaven. No, salvation is free. It's a free gift of God. Um, through grace, through, through faith. Number five, we believe in the Trinity, that there, there's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And number six, we believe the doctrine or the um, sixth essential of the faith or fundamental of the faith. We believe in the atonement of Christ. If you, what, what's the atonement of Christ? You could break the atonement of Christ into three words, at one meant, at one meant. So as soon as Jesus died upon the cross, we're at one meant with God. God, we, 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 Jesus built that, he bridged that gap. We, we, uh, God is pleased with us now because we have Christ inside of our hearts. And so we are, we are what I want to admit um, with, with God the Father, and we're forgiven people. We're, we are his son and his daughter. The, the sin issue has been dealt with because Jesus Christ, so God is pleased with us. Now, number seven, we believe in obviously there's a heaven and there's, there's a hell. Hell is for, by the way, for Christ rejecting people. That's what it's for. It's created for Christ-rejecting people. And so they have a free will, and if they want to reject Jesus, that, that's on them. But we don't want to. We want to accept Jesus Christ. He gives a free gift of salvation to everybody who believes. Um, number eight, lastly, uh, we believe the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe he rose again, and because he lives, we could face tomorrow. So that's the doctrine. If you call yourself a Christian, you believe these eight things. These, these are the fundamentals of the faith. And, and so Paul, Paul felt it necessary that they stand fast in their faith. Now, the third instruction to live by that Paul writes about, and this is found in verse 13 also, Paul says to be brave, to be brave. To be brave means that you are living in a way. You are living in a way even when you are scared or intimidated. You, you're, you're living in a way even when you are scared or intimidated. I love how the General Omar Bradley said this, and he's, he's one that fought in World War II. He said, bravery, bravery is the capacity to perform properly, 
bravery is a capacity to perform properly even when you are scared half to death. Even when you are scared half to death, you behave properly. You, 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 have, you have bravery. And we're called to be brave people. And we, we, we are to be brave daily. We are to be brave daily in the face of fear. In the face of fear because we acknowledge and we declare that the Lord Jesus Christ is right by our side. Jesus says, fear not, for I am with you. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. When you have fear, it's important to have a sound mind. What does a sound mind mean? A sound mind means that God's with me, that I'm an overcomer because of the blood of the Lamb, that he will never leave me nor forsake me, and that he must have felt in his will that I'm going to be facing this, and I'm not alone. So you have a sound mind. That's, that's why it's important to not be intoxicated, because when you're intoxicated, you can't have a sound mind. They, they contradict one another. So you, you, you have a sound mind. And we have a sound mind. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God, brings it to your mind, and you stand on truth. And the truth sets you free in the face of fear. And so we could, be, we could have um, an element of being brave. And that's what um, Paul says. I want you guys to be brave. I want you guys to watch. I want you to be standfast in your faith. And I want you to be brave. But not only be brave, I want you, and this is number four, the fourth instruction, I want you to be strong. I want you to be strong. And this doesn't mean that you join a gym. I mean, if you want to join a gym to be strong, I mean, by all means, go for it. You're like, oh, why you make me feel bad? I bought a gym pass on January 1st and haven't used it yet. Is that supposed to be strong physically? I mean, that you can too. It's called temple maintenance. You know, God has given us a temple. We need to maintenance this, this temple, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, I do maintenance by eating a lot. It craves food, so I feed it, right? Well, we're, we're called to be, be, be uh, strong. How do we be strong? Well, this speaks about having an inner strength, an inner strength that comes directly from the Lord, an inner strength that comes directly from the Lord, a quiet spirit. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord. It doesn't say be, be strong in yourself. I don't have self-esteem. I want to tell you that today. I have God esteem. The way I view myself is the way God views me. I'm a child of the living God. No weapon that forms against me by any man shall prosper because my God is with me. I am heaven bound. I have the word of God. I have a fellowship with the brethren and the sister in. I don't know if sister in is a word, but <laughs> sister in. You know, um, the body of Christ backing me. And you too. I'm strong in the Lord, not in myself. And when I'm weak, that's when I commit that I'm strong. I love it when men commit that they're, they're weak in an area and say, I need the Lord. I need you more today than yesterday. With the Lord, I can do all things because Christ strengthens me. He strengthens me, man. I can lift those weights. I could be buff in the Lord. <laughs> I don't know why I just did that, but I just did <laughs> All right, back to the Bible study. We're called to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and his mighty power. Let the pet bull out. Let God out. It's been said when the devil comes knocking at your door, let God answer. 
And, and so know who you are in Jesus. And that's what, as a pastor, I desire that for people, to know who they are in the Lord. That's, and it's important to, to um, know your, your, your word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so the more the word gets pumped into you, the more you get stronger. Protein powder of the scriptures. And, and you, you get that. And you get strong in the Lord. And so you know your identity in Christ. And when you know your identity in Christ, you're going to be strong in the, in the Lord. So you don't have to please people because you please God. And people respect people that have convictions. We're, uh, the, we're going to be voting this year, right? Big election this year. Vote your conscience according to Scripture. What does the Bible say? So if you know what the Bible say, says, that's how you vote. And the Bible is very clear on issues. And so I, I follow the Jesus party. And, and I can't go wrong with that. The Bible is the final authority. Be strong in the Lord. The fifth instruction to live by, and I love this. I believe this needs to be every single believer upon the face of the earth, their uh, scripture that they live by. If you're looking for scripture, you know how sometimes people, um, they have their, like they send emails and then they, they put like a little saying on the bottom, like um, I'm the man or, you know, whatever saying that they put on the bottom. <laughs> I believe this is a scripture that needs to go on every single email. I mean, you, you could quote the reference if you want to. And 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. This is an, such an important scripture. I can't emphasize this enough. Well, what's that scripture? Well, notice with me. Let all that you do be done with love. Boom. Drop that mic. <laughs> That's it. Half of behavior that is done by believers and certainly by non-believers, is not done with love. We are called to do everything through Christ's love. He says all that you do. Notice, it doesn't say some things you do. All that you do. All that you do. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, not superficially, deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And this can only occur, this can only happen, this can only go down when Christ lives in us and through us day by day. As we decrease every single day, my job every single day is to decrease. The Lord wants to increase day by day. And we live life and he increases and increases and increases. That's our goal of Christianity. If there's a goal of Christianity, like, hey, dude, what's the goal of Christianity? The goal of Christianity is that you die, he lives. That's it, every day. And that love will be your reaction. Love will be how you respond. Love will be how you, your, your tongue is coated in love. Every word is done in love. Every action is done in, in, in love. So how does that look like? Well, I'm going to face my wife, my, wife, my, my, my kids, my, my whomever. It's everything you do be done in love. I'm going to go to a meeting. So, Lord, before I go to this meeting, let everything that I do go in love. May I not hit anybody today. Lord, may, may I encourage people. Everything I do, everything. He says, let all things, not some things, but let all things be done in love. All things be done in love. So, so when we see a family member, when we go to a meeting, we pray, Lord, let this be done in love. He discipline, Lord, Help me not to kill them. Let this be done in love. All behavior as a believer in Christ Jesus needs to have this filter of love. This is going to be done in love. This, the, that's the measuring rod of a Christian. It's, it's love. Love. 
Now, what does love look like? Okay, we're called to do everything in love. We're, we're called to live life by, by the word love. Everything is done in love. What does love look like? Well, we know according to 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 what love looks like. So I'm called to do everything in love. What does that look like? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, love is patient and love is kind. That means when I interact with somebody, I'm called to love them. How am I called to love them? I'm called to be patient with them. Now, I, I, I don't know about you. I feel inside of me when I'm becoming impatient. In, impatient. La- yesterday, uh, our, our kids went to uh, this uh, uh, a dance called Winter Formal. Right, and um, I was tempted beforehand to show them how to dance. This is how you do it. This is how you get your groove on. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna show them how to do the worm. You know, us that grew up in the '80s, we 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 you know what you're talking about, huh? We're the OGs. They, they think uh, they, these these teenagers. They think they got out. Nah, we're we're, we're we are it. So my wife and I, we were blessed with um. <laughs> This uh, uh, gift certificate, and so we went out to this restaurant called Lucille's. Oh, so good! So they, uh, the the person that sat us, um, and sat us next to a party of like twenty people, like in a back room. And oh my, we're like in the front row. We're like that close, and they were loud, um, obnoxious. Yes, too. And I knew this portion of scripture that I was going to be teaching today. <laughs> I wanted to say, excuse me, there is manners in a restaurant, especially when we're all together in a quarter. I'm sorry. But I didn't, praise God. And the Holy Spirit said, Joe, are you going to be acting out in love right now? Yes, I am. But they're loud, Lord, really loud, <laughs> obnoxious, very much so. I'm still learning myself. But I sensed, I, I don't know, but I sensed it inside of me to want to, you know when you want to say something? I'm like, Lord, help me not to. Help me to be patient, to be kind. They're celebrating a birthday. And so what I should have did is when they sang happy birthday, I should have just joined them. Happy birthday to you. Just got to join them. We're all family. And so it's all good. It's all the good. But I know that the Lord is constantly trimming me, fine-tuning me also too. What does love look like? Love is when you're patient with people, when they're loud. Where I like to is my wife and I, you know, we, we have kids, and so we don't get out that much. And it was a sweet time together. I'm on to be kind. Yeah. And what, what if I would have spoke up? And what if one of them said, you know what? I've been to your church. Oh, dude, that would have not been good. <laughs> We're called to be patient, to be kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. So I'm not to be rude. So when I feel like, you never felt like you wanted to be rude? Let all, be, let all things be done. We're not called to be rude anymore. Like, we're not. I like being rude. I like kind of like shit. According to script, we're not called to be rude. 
love does not demand its own way. Oh, here's this one. Love is not irritable. I know we all maybe need to grow in this one. God, help me not to be irritable with people. Help me to dwell with understanding. They're celebrating a birthday party. And um, what do you expect? Everybody to whisper? Yeah. <laughs> but but it's not, that's not practical. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of, of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the, the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful, endures through every circumstance, even to sit in the restaurants. And I mean, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but you put that in there. So let's love every day. And that's what the scripture teaches us. Let all that you do be done with love. I mean, we could just end study right now and just go home. This is, if we live this out, we are truly being a Christian. What is a Christian? Christian means being like Christ in behavior. That's a Christian. We, we, we are like Christ, and Christ was certainly loving. And yeah, there's some times where you have to be firm in love. I mean, they were the, the, the tax collectors. Um, Jesus loved them so much to show them the truth, and he said, you know, you're taking advantage of people, and he stood up. There's times they had to be firm, but you, 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 you filter in, okay, when do I need to be firm in love? And there's times where you, you work with people, you need to tell them the truth. Maybe you're a supervisor and you say, you know, you, you love this person enough that you're going to tell them the truth. Um, and you, 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 you give them a, a, a measuring strict with things to obtain to, to live by these behaviors. You give them a deadline when this needs to be done. And if they show performances, praise Praise God, you know, but if they don't, then you have to have some, um, another conversation with them. And, but we're called to do everything in love. I, could, I believe that you could be firm and I believe you could be loving at the same time. I believe that. I, I don't think you, I don't believe that you have to be a jerk. I think you could be firm with somebody, let them know that this is it. It's like, you know, being pulled over by a police officer. I, I, I now ride with police officers and there's a few officers I highly respect on how they go about doing it. They're, they're firm, they know their position, they know who they are, and even though that they may get some back talk, they, they know how to talk respectfully. Not all of them do. I don't want to be generalized that. Not all they do, but, but some know how to go about doing that. And we should be firm and, and yet loving at the same time. They too can hold hands. Now, the sixth instruction, there's seven. The sixth instruction, we're called to live by in verses 15 and 17. We're called to refresh others. We're called to refresh others. We see this in verses 15 through 17. I urge your brethren that you know the household of Stephanus, that in the first fruit of Archaea, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Archaicus, for what was lacking on your part, they supplied. Here it is. For they refreshed. They refreshed my spirit and yours. They refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such, such men. So we're informed. We're informed that the household of Siphonus, what they did is they, they put love in action by devoting themselves to the ministry of the saints. They put love in action and, and, they, and they devoted themselves. That's what the Bible says in verse 15. They devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I love that. They said, this, that's my goal in life. I'm to devote myself to the saints. You're either a saint or an eight, right? <laughs> and so the saints are people that um, are, are called to be a child of, you're, you're, you're a child of God. You belong to him. And so 
So they devoted themselves to believers. When they, whenever they saw a need that a believer had, they, they, they went to uh, meet it. They, they, were, they weren't waiting for someone to ask. They were waiting for pastors to say, okay, would you do this? No, they devoted themselves to, to, to the saints. They looked for needs and they met those needs. Pray, pray to have eyes to see needs. So Lord, would you open my eyes to see the needs because I want to devote myself to the saints. I, I want to dwell with understanding. You know, if you, you know someone um, and they share, if they shared with you last week or the week before that they're going through a difficult time or you know a circumstance in, in, their, in their life, talk to them. Approach them. Let them know you're praying for them. That goes a long way. Let, let them know that, that you love them, that you're standing there with them. And, and they don't really need to know, like, um, they don't want, um, like, answers when, when, um, when, when I'm, uh, when I go through, um, when I talk to people and minister to people, and like you know, I, some somebody took a picture when I was with uh, a couple of family members, and and um, and when I responded to the uh, San Bernardino shooting, and I don't know, uh, or the Daily Bulletin took that picture out of the blue, and then a few days afterwards, someone, someone told me they said someone took a picture of you, and and um, and I remember that day. Like it was yesterday on what happened there. I was talking to one of the brothers about that. I'll never forget that day. There, in my life, there's been some, some events that, that have occurred that has definitely sobered me and deepened me. And um, responding to, to that, that was, that was one of them. And um, um, where am I going with this thought? Oh, I know. You know, you know being devoted to... to, to to the saints or, or to people. Um, I remember that, that day and, and um, where this, uh, this lady, she, all she wanted to do is be reunited with her family members. That's all she wanted. And she was talking to me. She chapin, I want to see, I want to see my kids. I want to see my, that's all I want. I want to see my kids. Please escort me. Ec- escort me to, to see my, uh, my kids. I have to see my kids. And so that, that, that environment wasn't intense because at that time they, they didn't um, apprehend the, um, the people that, that caused this distraction. So it was on high alert. There was officers all, all over. Their, their, their weapons were drawn. Shotguns were drawn. Canines were out. FBI's there. The um, um, police were there. Sheriffs were there. Um, Homeland Security. Every, it, was, it was just an unbelievable scene. And she was telling me, um, I need to be reunited with my kids. And when it was safe, I was giving them permission to, to walk with them. And in the picture, there, there were some, it's, it's, it's in that um, magazine. Um, and a few, few weeks ago, I was asked, uh, can I, um, would, would it be okay to do an interview on that um, with a few other chaplains too? And, um, and I remember walking her out and, talk, and talking with her briefly and talking about Jesus, and then they, the other family members got reunited, and, and it was at that point someone clicked a picture of it. And I didn't say, say much. And a lot of times when people are hurting, and to be a chaplain, you really don't say much. The definition of chaplaincy is the ministry of presence. You're just there. You just say, you know what? I understand. And you're in my thoughts, and I'm praying for you. All you need to say, because the uh, the recipient of it, they don't they don't they don't want to hear all the whys and the what ifs. 
it, it, it went down, it happened, and they just need to know that you're there with them. One of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, it's just two words. Jesus wept. You weep with those that weep. You don't have to give them theology. Your theology incarnate, you're living it out. That, that's it. They devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to devote ourselves to the ministry of the saints. Not only did they devote themselves, but the, another point there too is that they refreshed them. They refreshed them. When they left their presence, they, reflect, they left refreshed, encouraged, not discouraged. And what a blessing to have that reputation. I pray that each of you, including myself, would have that reputation that we would refresh other people. That we get up, we drive to church and say, okay, Lord, show me who you want me to refresh. Show me, Lord, as I get out of my car, I'm going to see people. Show me, Lord, who I can devote myself to so I could encourage. So when we attend church, we're not only coming to, to be equipped for works of service in the scriptures. We're not only coming to be encouraged ourselves, but we're also now in coming to church to devote ourselves to minister to someone else, to refresh them, to be there, to encourage them. And that's what we're called to do. And lastly, number seven, the seventh instruction that Paul calls the Corinthians back then and calls us today to live by, that we are to wait for the Lord's return. We're called to be waiting for the Lord's return. We see that in verses 18 through 24. I'm sorry, verses 19 through 24. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. I love that. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be a curse. Here it is. O Lord, come. Underscore that, oh, Lord, come. I love that phrase, oh, Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus, amen. Now, before I, I, I touch on the, the, we're called to wait for the, the Lord's return, I think I need to touch on this, on this verse that says to greet another with the Holy Christ. You think I should need to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about that. Especially with a single man, you're like, yeah, I like that verse. I'm claiming that one in Jesus Christ. You know, you said, Pastor Joe, to have like a, a saying after your email, I'm putting that one now. <laughs> Greet another with a holy kiss. Yeah, you, 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 you can't like uh, hold this scripture and, and, and uh, say if you're a single guy and look for a single girl out there and like, I'm going to go walk up there. I'm going to kiss her on her cheek. <laughs> the Bible says, I'm being biblical. The Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Watch it, they, you may get a black eye. Um, so back then, that's how they greeted people. And in the Middle Eastern um, cultures, they, they still do that, right? That's how they, they greet each other. You know, they kiss the cheeks. That's how they do it. We as Americans, we don't necessarily do that. We, you know, we, we, we have the form of shaking hand. So it's always important to apply scripture to context. And so back then, that's, that's how they greeted one another. So, um, so please, single guys, don't, don't get discouraged and start like, oh, man, I, I thought this was a key that could go and hold my Bible and point to that verse. And, hey, the Bible says greet one with the Holy Kiss. So <laughs> slap and slap you. So now the main point is to wait for the Lord's coming. So we're called to, to wait for the Lord's coming. That's what we're called to do. Lord, as I wait for your coming, I want to live a holy life. 
I don't want to live a selfish, fleshly life. I don't want to be kissing other people that I'm not supposed to be kissing. Lord, who I want to kiss, I want to kiss you. Did you know the word worship means to kiss the face of Jesus? He's worthy of worship. So when you worship and you're singing to him, you're kissing his face. That's the face that you should be kissing. I worship you, Lord. I give you, I give you praise. The words, oh Lord, come, it means Maranatha. There's some churches where they, they call their churches Maranatha. There's one in San Diego, it's called Maranatha Chapel. And what that means is that their, their pastor most likely encourages um, the coming of the Lord on a regular basis for people to have an anticipation um, for the, 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 the coming of Christ. I like that. And it's biblical. So we're called to say, Maranatha, we're called to say, oh, Lord, come, oh, Lord, come. I say that often when I see situations happen, I see devastations occur on a regular basis, I see deaths happen, I say that, oh, Lord, come, oh, Lord, come. That's the answer, oh, Lord, come. That's what we say when we go through a difficulty, when, when, when we hear uh, people passing away, we say, oh, Lord, come. That's what we say. That's the Christian's response. Oh, Lord, come. So Paul leaves in with the greatest hope of all, and that's to look forward to the Lord Jesus Christ's return. And that's where we're left with, too. We, we are to look forward to the Lord Jesus Christ's return, to, to his appearing, that he's going to come. He is going to come. Keep in mind that reality, the Lord is going to come. He is going to come. Think about that on a regular basis. 2 Timothy 4, it says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will war to me on that day, not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing, who has longed for his appearing, longed for the coming of the Lord. Say, oh, Lord, come. I, I get the, the, the honor, and then I'll close with this story. I get the honor to officiate um, weddings. I like officiating weddings. I, I, I do my share of, of memorial services as well, but, but weddings... The, every bride that um, is, is in, in her dress, and she looks beautiful, normally I'll pray with the bride um, be, beforehand. So she is about to come, come out. Um, normally the, the grandparents walk up first, and normally the, um, the parents, they, they, they sit, and, and then normally the, the wedding party, um, they, they come, and then they, they, they line up. The pastor is there. Um, the, 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 the groom is there. By the way, do you know why he's always standing on the right side and she's on the left? Back then, um, there was a tradition where the, um, when they got married, the, the soldiers always had a sword on the, the right hand. Their, their, their right hand needed to be um, uh, uh, readily available to, to grab a sword or a gun so they could defend her. So that's why tradition holds that um, they, they, on the right side, that you're ready to defend her. And you defend her um, um, uh, emotionally, emotionally. Um, uh, mentally, uh, physically, and spiritually. And so every husband or every person that's going to get married, the guy's responsibility is to defend her emotionally. Like, am I speaking emotional health to her life? Am I lifting her up? Am I encouraging her, her mentally? And, am I talking to her and encourage her in, in her mental health, what the Bible says, how beautiful she is, and, and so forth? And um, physically, of course, that if, she, if something would have harmed her, you're there. But also, too, you protect her spiritually. And you pray for her um, um, and um, share her scriptures and, and so forth. Um, so, so normally the pastor is there, and then uh, he's, he's uh, to the pastor's left. He's on the right-hand side. And then the bride, she's in the back, and then, then she, she comes out. And the, the bride is anticipating 
Not necessary to see everybody, though that's there, but she's anticipating to see the groom, to share those vows, share those vows with the groom um, in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of her family members and, and, her, and her friends. And so there's a sense of anticipation that she, she has. I, I know she, she has that. And, um, and then, well, everybody, I, I, let me tell you something, uh, something what I do in, in services. Some of you may do this too. I normally don't look at the bride. I look at the groom. I look at the groom. Why? I don't know why that the brides, maybe because there's, they, they were little girls, they, they played with dolls and be, pretended they're going to get married. They're like prepared for this. <laughs> the guys like, oh, no, they're like, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> and, and, so, uh, and so, you know, they, they tend to be on the little bit more emotional side. And so then, you know, the, the bride comes and he's anticipating the bride to come too. She's going to be coming. We're called the bride of Christ, right? May we anticipate the Lord coming for us. As she anticipates to go through that door to, to see her macho man, <laughs> may we have that same anticipation to see, Lord, I can't wait to see your face. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lord. You're the one that will meet all my needs according to your riches and your grace. And I love you, Jesus. So as we wrap this up in summary, May we apply these seven instructions to our life and live by them. May we be watchful against the temptation that's there. May we be watchful against Satan and against the false teachers. May we also be believers that we're going to stand fast in our faith. We're going to be brave in the Lord. We're going to be strong in the Lord. We're going to be loving. And we're going to be people that refresh others. And we are indeed going to live with an anticipation that our Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back for us. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we were able to gather together, Lord, to be in your word, Lord, so your word could be in us. Father, I pray that our mind, Lord, will be wrapped around with scriptures, our heart will be wrapped around scriptures, as well as our feet as we go out, outward. Lord, I pray that we would be loving people, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would use our lives, Father, in a way that would be honor to you. And one way that bring, brings honor to you is that we go about and all that we do and all that we say and we love people. So Lord, I just pray that you would um, speak to us, Lord Jesus, even right now, Lord, what areas that we need to grow in, in in our life. Lord, I pray if we're not being loving people, you'll help us. I pray if we get irritable on a regular basis that you would help us to be curve that area, Lord, little by little. Little by little, Lord, I pray that when we see our family members, when we see our employer, when we see our co-workers, I pray before we step out of the car, Lord, that we would uh, step out praying. Lord, like, help me to be loving today. Lord, help me to represent you properly. Father, I pray that you would encourage those that are facing temptation, Lord, that they'll be strong in you. I pray for those that are weak, that you be their strength, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we will live for you, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would have a heart of anticipation that you're going to be coming for us soon and very soon. And if you need prayer today, would you raise your hand with me? You say, Pastor Joe, could you please pray for me? Maybe you need prayer because you're not right with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you would die today, you would not know that you would spend all eternity with the Savior Jesus Christ. And you want to have that confidence. You want to have that insurance today and 
church so you can leave today knowing that I got right with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I said I was a sinner and I need him to be my savior. So that's you. Raise your hand to get right with the Lord. Or maybe you're living a life of compromise. Maybe you have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Maybe you're flirting with the world. Maybe you're giving into temptation and you want the Lord to be... Um, to help you in that area, you, you want to be on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to serve the Lord. You want to be a spirit a person that's spirit-led, spirit-filled. And you want to be um, a person that's just overflowing with Christ's love to other people. So if you need a prayer in that area, raise your hand so you can um, receive prayer. Maybe you need the Lord to come alongside you and bring you comfort. Maybe you're going through a struggle right now. You're going through a difficulty. You know, you have some pain in your heart. You have some sorrow in your heart. And you need to cast that care to the Lord because you know he cares for you. So whatever it is, leave it here at the altar. Leave it here in the arms of Jesus. And he says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. So give it to him. Cast that care to him because he cares for you. And leave refreshed today. Leave encouraged today. Leave built up today. So if you need prayer, raise your hand. Father, right now, Father, you're seeing your son, Father. You're seeing your daughter right now, Father. And Father, they're raising their hand to you. They're raising their hand to you because you are God Almighty. You're a God that intervenes. You're, you're a God that, that led your children out of Egypt, out of bondage, and you set them free. You're the same God of yesterday, of today. And I pray that you set the captive free right now in Jesus' name, I pray, Father. Father, I pray those that need encouragement, Lord, that they would just sense your holy presence, Lord. Lord, encourage them, Lord. Lord, I thank you that perfect love casts out fear, and you are love. So God, I pray that they would not live life with fear. I pray that they would not live life being crippled, but being set free. Lord, encourage their mind, encourage their emotions, encourage their health. Encourage them, Father, that they'll be a, a healthy, holistic person, Father, in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, may they find their esteem in you, Lord Jesus, not in themselves, not in their accomplishments, but in you, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, Father, that you would just continue to do your work in us and through us for your honor, for your glory. You can put your hands down. We give you praise, Lord Jesus, for who you are. We love you so much, Jesus. And we say, Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you may all stand. Well, may the Lord continue to bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. May you know your identity in Christ Jesus. May you know how deep and how wide is the love of Christ is for you. And may you know that you have a church family that we love you, I love you, and I'm so glad that you call Calvary Montclair your, your home. Afterwards, as I mentioned, there's some coffee out there, some donuts, some, some goodies, so hang out afterwards. If you need some prayer, um, there some, will be some ministers up here, and, and they will be glad to pray for you. So we'll see you at either at dinner this Thursday, or we'll see you next Sunday, and have a terrific day in Jesus Christ. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Let's sing one more song. One any song.